achieving a higher level of earning is definitely attractive to everybody, but that it is important that you're also happy in your company and you're happy in the position. Are you a business leader looking for strategies and tactics to help you navigate leadership and HR challenges as you scale? Each week on While We Were Working, we bring you our 35 plus years of experience doing exactly this for companies just like yours. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights and to connect with us, check us out at whilewewereworking.com. Welcome to episode 31 of While We Were Working, Virtual Water Cooler Wisdom presented by Jumpstart HR. At While We Were Working, we help you become a better people leader while getting to know the Jumpstart way. I'm Summer, and our special co-host today is Devin, while Joey is out on a much-deserved vacation. Let us know where you're tuning in from by tagging at Jumpstart HR on social media for our live streamers. Drop your location in the chat. So we're going to hop right on into our While We Were Working segment. This is our weekly look at a news article uh, current in the people leadership space. And this week's article is in regards to the great resignation uh, turning out to be uh, the great regret. This is an article that was featured in The Guardian just a short while back. And we wanted to share our thoughts on this article today. So, Devin, you are our special co-host today. We are so excited to have you here. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this article. Um, let's let's get going. Yes, absolutely. First, thank you for having me back. Super excited to be here. Um, for my perspective, I'm on the talent acquisition side, and I am seeing this happen a lot. Um, just personally, I'm even seeing candidates that I've placed in the past a couple years ago, or even within the past year, um, before I was a part of the jumpstart team, um, even come back to me saying, Hey, I'm having a little bit of regret here. Um, just from leaving my position, um, I was in it for, Hey, maybe a different compensation structure, or I was led to believe something different. And that's even something that they mentioned in the guardian, um, of about, 40% of candidates said that they don't feel valued in their new roles since they have left. Um, And that was something that um, a lot of the candidates that I've talked to even in the last, you know, six months that are looking for new roles now are expressing to me too. Um, So Summer, I know um, you're also on the other side of the Mississippi. um, So I want to definitely know what you're seeing on your side of the house as well. Well, I definitely would say, Devin, it's quite consistent across the board. I I think there's so many different factors that contributed to this environment. But when I'm talking to candidates uh, and, you know, we're also still having state interviews with those that remain at the company, what we're finding is that those individuals that are leaving um, in many cases are leaving for more money. As you know, if you stay at a company uh, typically the, you know, the average increase might be maybe around three, four, 5% as an annual increase. But right now individuals can leave and get a 10 plus salary increase. And so they're being lured by this money. And in many cases, just a promise of a better overall opportunity. And, you know, the saying, Devin, um, the grass 
uh, isn't greener on the other side. I think, you know, the stats in this article are definitely saying that, you know, that's definitely the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, I'm even seeing some candidates that uh, thought they were leaving for one position and now they're in the in the seat and discover that it's a completely different position than they thought. Um, and now we're coming across the the level of inflation and now money is not solving their problems. Um, they're thinking they're going to enjoy these roles and money's not going to fix that. Well, I think we can all agree that, you know, achieving a higher level of earning is definitely attractive to everybody, but that it is important that you're also happy in your company and you're happy in the position because, you know, if you're uh, earning the level of pay that you once set out to earn and then you're just unhappy, like there's still a lot, you know, there's, there's still a lot to uh, accomplish there. And from my perspective, I think, Part of what has happened is that the new climate of recruiting, which, you know, I'm sure as you can speak to, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, has definitely changed. You know, the pace in which candidates are moving through the recruiting cycle is at a frenzied pace, whereas before companies used to be a little slower, a little more methodical. And I think that part of what we're seeing is like this rush to get candidates through and you know, in some cases, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say like desperation to fill positions, but just the absolute need that some companies are overselling uh, their company, their culture, they're overselling the position in itself. And as you mentioned, these team members get in the company and, you know, maybe they don't feel valued, but, um, you know, there's also the other aspect of like, hey, this is this is not what I was expecting. This is not the position that I was sold, if you will. So Devin, you know, what, what are you seeing in that space and kind of what are your thoughts on like how we got here and what are you seeing on your side? Yes. Um, I am absolutely seeing um, in the entire process of recruiting, um, especially for small businesses, trying to stay competitive, we are having to move quickly in comparison to where we were even six months ago or even three months ago. Um, some candidates are falling off in the time that we set up a screen till the time that the screen even happens or even between the, sc the screen and a first interview because they're taking offers or deciding to pivot a different direction or whatever that may be. Um, and sometimes that span is maybe two days, if that. Um, so within a span of 48 hours, kids are making a decision um, or even accepting an offer um, with another organization and moving really quickly. Um, so having that decision and having to move very quickly, and especially for a small business, having to be able to remain competitive in that space too, um, is definitely a part of that as well. So um, I mean, even just another study that was done, like 72% of the study of these, you know, 2,500 workers that they took a chunk of, um, they had surprise regret with these new organizations. 72% had surprise regret saying it was very different from what they were led to believe from when they started. Like imagine almost three quarters of your organization being surprised of what they thought the role was going to be. That is three quarters of your organization that could be thinking of going elsewhere or could be thinking of going back to their old organization in general of that you might have brought in or just expanding in general. That's a really frightening number. And as you were sharing it, I was just starting to think of, oh my gosh, like 
that's such a huge number. I can't help but feel like, you know, the decisions that we made at that point in time, you know, to hire individuals, you know, and I'm speaking like in the voice of like organizations, like those decisions that were made obviously were based on a need, but in this, you know, kind of haste to hire. Uh, now, I think, you know, this whole phase of what's being coined the great regret, we're going to see kind of another big cycle of turnover and movement in the talent acquisition space. And, you know, if I was to think of the advice that we would provide to any of our consulting clients, it's that the approach that they took perhaps during this last year and a half, we need to look at it differently because if 72% are feeling like they're not the right fit, we definitely missed something. I don't really want to put you on the spot, but I would definitely be curious to hear your thoughts on, you know, knowing that there are this many team members in positions that, you know, aren't quite, you know, aren't totally fulfilled and that there's likely this other cycle of turnover coming, like what are some, what are some things that you think companies might want to be doing a little bit differently in the recruiting process to try to avoid that happening again? Yes. Um, one of the things that comes directly to mind for me um, is being truthful and being very intentional. Um, I get the idea of like, hey, we need some people in our seat um, and we need to be able to fulfill the work that we need to do. Um, but at the same time, we need to make sure we're being very real with where we are and what we're selling to our potential candidates. Because as much as we need people in the door, um, we need to make sure that they're going to be a long-term fit. And by being intentional and being truthful about that, we need to make sure that like they're going to be a good fit for us and we're a good fit for them. Um, and I think that's going to you know work out in everyone's favor, regardless if that's going to extend someone staying you know a week. Um, in the recruiting process, that'll go a long way. Um, and then the other thing that definitely comes to mind, if we did bring in a new hire, um, or even just hired some, a group recently, maybe look into doing some stay interviews, getting some, a third party like jumpstart to kind of help out with some of those things. Um, to really just see like, what about your role? Aren't you fulfilled about what are you passionate about? Um, what about your role? Would you change that way? We could kind of get ahead of those things. Um, so you're not feeling that 72% in your organization that might not feel unfulfilled. That way we can get ahead of that um, and really make sure that you're not stuck in a very scary spot um, once all these people um, might be thinking of deciding to change direction. Absolutely. And I know that we typically save our consultants corner for where we talk about you know examples of what we're seeing on the consulting side, but I can't help but tie this into a recent conversation that was had with one of our clients who was experiencing some uh, larger than uh, historical patterns of turnover, despite growing and being quite successful and uh, what I would consider an employer of choice. Um, so, you know, when I look at a company like them who has a lot of positives going for them and even they are experiencing a higher than usual level of turnover, it really um, it, it's really eye-opening. And some of the conversations that we've been having together in terms of how to get in front of, um, you know, exactly what we're talking about in this organization uh, is, you know, is to take a multi-pronged approach uh, to 
uh, communicating with team members. And so some of the things that uh, we discussed are first leadership addressing uh, kind of the elephant in the room, because you can't, um, you know, you can't ignore the fear that the team members who remain may have in regards to, well, why are people leaving? What do they know that we don't know? Um, if everything else seems great, then like what what don't we know? So there's kind of that fear that needs to be addressed. And then also uh, some of the turnover in kind of that fear based space being, uh, you know, we're talking about potentially heading into a recession and team members fearing like, OK, well, if we've been growing, growing, growing and a recession is potentially on the horizon, you know, what does that mean in terms of potential staff reductions? So in other words, uh, leadership having conversations to address some of that fear just head on in regards to what they know today and, um, you know, kind of really just putting it out there so that it doesn't leave, um, you know, questions in that space of fear, which we know uh, oftentimes people will just do what they think is right, be proactive and seek another job if they feel like their job may be potentially at risk. And kind of the second component to that is ensuring that anybody who is a people manager within the organization is highly engaged and reaching into their team and finding out how their team members are doing. And this isn't just a, hey, regular weekly check-in, how are you on your project? It's a, you know, let's talk a little bit deeper about, you know, how are things outside of work? Is there anything that work can do differently to help support you? Um, what is it that feels like it's missing in your current opportunity? And then getting to, you know, kind of the nuts and bolts of the conversation, which is, you know, and this may be a, a hard conversation for some, like, like, have you recently thought about leaving the company in the foreseeable future? And if you're, if you have that trust with your team, then, Hopefully they'll come forward and say, yeah, you know, actually, like I had a recruiter reach out to me and, you know, maybe I didn't pursue it at that time. But more recently, I've been thinking, you know, I might be open to an opportunity and having those honest conversations to get to the root of what's prompting your team to leave. If you can get in front of them, then I think that you will have a better chance of reducing your turnover and maybe even starting to whittle down some of those frightening numbers that we saw, you know, of folks that recently made a leap, uh, not having so much regret. And for those of you who might want to read the full article, it is in The Guardian. It's called Turns Out the Great Resignation May Be Followed by the Great Regret by Jean Marks. Uh, it's highly recommended. And now we're going to shift gears for Consultants Corner. Very excited about this topic. <laughs> Yeah, this is a fun one, too. I think there's there's quite a bit to talk about. And for those of you uh, that this may be your first time uh, listening to our show, Consultants Corner, um, it's our weekly deep dive into what we're seeing or that our community wants us to discuss. And so if you're not familiar with Jumpstart HR, we are a HR consulting firm and we work with small businesses on a project or an ongoing basis to solve um, all of their problems and support their HR needs. So if you have a scenario that you want to discuss on a future episode, you can reach us over at uh, hello at jumpstart-hr.com and you can put in the uh, subject line while we were working, 
Uh, we promise to keep names and companies confidential and also our insights honest and open. So Devin, what were we going to talk about today? Yes. Um, so I actually came across this a few weeks ago um, and it was when and when we should not be doing assessments and how to do them correctly. Um, and actually, um, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, a client that I was working with, um, we were going through the standard recruitment process and there was a um, director position that they had open um, kind of in the marketing art creative realm. Um, and they decided after the second round of interviews um, that they wanted to an apply an assessment. For a little bit more context, there were two people that were in the pipeline and they wanted to apply it to one person, not to both. Um, and some I remember talking to you about this. So we'll definitely walk through a bunch of these things um, as we kind of pummel through this. But actually the uh, candidate ended up declining the offer um, after going through all of this. But I definitely wanted to discuss, you know, when assessments are appropriate, um, how this impacts the talent acquisition process, um, how we really need to set not only the recruiters up for success, but how we need to set up the hiring team up for success. Um, and that way, when we are chatting with candidates, I like to set them up for success as well, applying like, hey, here's what the process looks like. Um, that way, we're not saying, hey, here's another call. Hey, here's another call. Oh, by the way, there's an assessment. Um, I want to make sure like I'm very upfront with them right away of their expectations. That way, they can also know in the market what they can expect, especially coming from a small business or working with a consultant like me who is supporting a small business. So um, I definitely want to know from your perspective, Summer, in this case, um, what were your compliance concerns, pros and cons, stuff like that of assessments? Um, because I have my perspective um, of this specific situation, but I definitely want to know yours. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled that you selected this because I feel like with your focus being on the talent acquisition side, and I spend more of my time personally with clients on uh, the main HR consulting and compliance side that uh, we likely have you know, different parts of this that we uh, support, don't support. And I think it's important to kind of talk through those because uh, certainly there are many different ways that companies can design their, their recruiting process. And I think that there's just a lot of factors that need to be weighed in determining like what works best for them. But you know, heading into, um, you know, kind of the, the talent acquisition space over the past few years, we had to make a shift, right? We had to change the way that we were doing things in order to just be, to be able to compete. Now we, we see now that, you know, some of those changes that were made perhaps at that point in time were the right decision, but we're seeing the effects of it. And I think during that period of time where there was, you know, this, real emphasis. And I still think there is to uh, a large degree, this emphasis in terms of like speed to hire that we know any additional uh, process or step or interview um, reduces the likelihood of being able to secure uh, that individual as a hire. Are you still seeing that? Yes, absolutely. And so when we talk about having assessments, I think that it largely is, you know, whether you should do them or not do them, it's going to depend on the company 
and the position, but there's so many more considerations. So um, just kind of my thoughts on this, um, the type of assessments that may be uh, provided during the recruiting process would be what I would call a sample project. So if you think about, say, like a computer engineer, um, that may be a position where you give some parameters and what the deliverable is, and you expect this individual to provide you a sample of their work given those param parameters, and it would allow you to evaluate that individual skills and competencies um, that you would not otherwise without, without asking them for a sample project. So that's one. Then there's also uh, personality assessments. Those, you know, I think more individuals are familiar with uh, how they work, but there's also risk assessments. And so, you know, that may be a series of questions that team members are asked. And, you know, essentially, you know, given, um, given the example of a problem and the options that are provided, you know, are they selecting options that um, when, when translated to results, essentially say that this individual is not a good decision maker and is posing, uh, could pose a potential risk to your organization. So um, certainly those are just a couple of different uh, types of assessments that some companies provide. Um, there's, I'm certain, a whole other host. So I think organizations need to be really asking themselves, can we afford to potentially lose candidates in this process? Is this assessment that important? And they also need to evaluate if they are compliant, um, should they choose to proceed with those assessments. So Devin, do you think that, you know, prior to um, having our support and counsel in navigating these processes that companies are really thinking through and asking those questions, or are they just thinking, well, we need to know this, we're going to give an assessment and not really weighing out the disadvantages in doing it? Um, I definitely don't think they're thinking through any compliance concerns. I definitely think they want to see if the work is going to show itself outside of just seeing a portfolio or just seeing any kind of designs or stuff like that. Um, especially in like that marketing space or like the engineering space, because just a lot of that stuff can be mocked up or you can't see the full process flow um, to where like a screen to be recorded, stuff like that. Um, and they're not taking into consideration any of those concerns or any ADA things that they need to be aware of. And above all else, um, in the recruiting world, if we're not making them aware of like, okay, we're going to do the step one is going to be interview one with the hiring manager. Step two is going to be, you know, with the CEO. And then step three will be the assessment. And this is what the assessment will look like X, Y, Z. Um, do you have any concerns with that? Uh, but if we're just going to throw an assessment at them and say, hey, we need you to complete this assessment as like the final round of your interview, then that's when we get some of these concerns. And that is what we came across with this candidate in particular. Um, and now we come across some compliance concerns as well, which now we have come to talk through these things, um, which is now why it's on Consultants Corner. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm curious to know, I mean, do you have uh, do you have a preference one way or the other or um, kind of what's your take on uh, assessments in the process um, now 
Um, and like, how are you navigating that with clients? I would definitely say if we're going to do assessments, um, I definitely would need to know some context. I need to know how long it's going to take. I need to kind of know in the pipeline where we're going to have them. I would like to have them almost right after the first interview. Um, just so we're not kind of waiting, um, one, not wasting the candidate's time and then not wasting our time all the way through the interview process. And if it's really, really necessary, um, like engineering roles and very specific roles to where like we really need them to do these things like you're mentioning earlier, then yes, by all means, we need to make sure we have credentialed assessments that they're confirmed. Like we're not just like creating these assessments um, and just sending them off on their merry way. Um, we just need to make sure like everybody along the process is aware um, and that like through and through throughout the talent acquisition process, everybody is aware of like the expectation. Um, but just due to the speed, um, sometimes it might not be necessary or just like the level of the candidate um, or the position in general. Um, so I definitely say it would depend, uh, but we definitely do need to guide our people in the correct direction and kind of gear every conversation the correct way based on the position. Um, so for this position in particular, the one that I had an issue with, I guess, for Consultants Corner, um, I definitely would not have done an assessment in this case. Um, it wasn't a role that required an assessment by any means. A portfolio would have done more than enough. If anything, a walkthrough of the portfolio, like a storytelling would have been more than enough especially they were already doing hour-long interviews with the hiring manager and the hiring manager with basically a roundtable. Um, I think that would have been more than enough to explain the creative process of the designs. That was more of my take there based on their job description. Um, so that was kind of the bottleneck there. So what I'm hearing is that you're not saying no across the board to assessments, but rather there's kind of a time and a place and that we need to really evaluate each position and company and needs on a case-by-case -case basis to determine uh, whether the um, advantages that may be obtained are worth the risk. And we know that the risk is um, either minimizing the candidate pool or having, having otherwise uh, qualified candidates that may be, uh, uh, that may be hired um, without the assessment uh, eliminated from the process. And certainly that's a big risk. I'm curious, Devin, and, and then I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about compliance before we uh, run out of time today. But have you encountered situations where you tell a candidate that there is an assessment in the process and then they're no longer interested? Yes. Um, I've actually had a few um, in this process in specific um, to where I did let them know because um, there were three other candidates that they were considering um, and they let me know like for the ones that we were also considering later that hey we're also going to implement assessments along the way um, and I let them know what kind of assessment how long it was going to take um, and they said oh well my, the other um, companies that I'm considering at the time they're actually not including assessments um, I'm actually further down the pipeline with them um, I actually have an offer on the way um, I'm actually no longer going to consider XYZ company. So that was kind of hands off arms length at that point. Um, and unfortunately, that is the market of some of the options that they are weighing um, when they're looking into organizations is how much work are they going to put through um, during the hiring or interview process for a role. Um, and that's something you're just going to have to consider when you're looking for a candidate. Yeah, it's super tough because I think, you know, I've been on both sides of that debate about 
well, you know, if somebody is the right candidate, then uh, they will be a candidate that will put in the additional work to complete the assessment. And so I, I definitely understand that. But I, I also see the other side of it, which is like, that was two plus years ago that we could be that way. But now with so many options, employees are finding just as good or better offers that don't have to go through that extra step. And I don't think that that's an indication of them not being the type of worker that you want to hire. I just think that there's barriers being removed to them being employed in other companies. And so uh, we really need to evaluate whether that is the right thing. Now, from the employer's perspective, I know that what they're saying is, well, we just don't, you know, we don't want to spend time hiring and onboarding somebody who is not going to be able to do the job. I totally get it. But there's also trust that you have to have in your hiring process. And if you have a solid hiring and interview process, then you should be able to answer those questions in most cases without an assessment. So to wrap this segment, I just want to share like some of the considerations in regards to compliance issues that if you're a company who is doing assessments, you definitely want to be thinking about. Um, and some of those considerations are, as Devin mentioned, you want to make sure that your assessments are being administered to candidates at the same stage. So, for example, if you determine that at the second interview, um, at the conclusion of the second interview, moving on or whatever the stage is that you're going to provide an assessment, that assessment needs to be given to everybody at that same stage. So it's really important that you're not picking and choosing uh, perhaps maybe who you had a little less confidence in has to be applied universally. And in addition to that, you cannot have a disproportionate adverse impact on any protected groups. So in essence, what that means is that you really have to look at what type of assessment are we are we giving? And are there certain protected groups that may be adversely impacted by this assessment just by the nature of the protected group that they're in. Because if so, and I feel like this is a whole nother episode, then um, you you need to uh, you need to have a different assessment because that assessment doesn't meet the legal requirements. And lastly, um, employers also need to be determining if their assessment adheres to uh, the Adults with Disabilities Act, ADA and thinking through like how a reasonable option might need to be applied to testing and being prepared for that. So um, if you're not thinking through these things, you definitely should. And of course, as I always say, um, very important to have an expert in these areas on your side because you know laws vary from state to state. So that's everything that I have to share in regards to when and when not to do assessments. Devin, do you have any closing thoughts? No, that is all that I had. I'm very excited that I got to be a part of this again. It was super fun summer. <laughs> oh my gosh, Devin, as always, it's such a pleasure to have you on the While We Were Working uh, podcast. It's great. Joey's out enjoying vacation and provides us this opportunity. And so um, this concludes this week's episode um, of While We Were Working. And, you know, make sure that you tune in live every Tuesday on LinkedIn Live for fresh episodes. 
And also take the show with you wherever you download your other favorite podcasts. And until next time, uh, be safe out there. Um, Have fun. Enjoy your summer. And we'll see you next week. For more HR strategies that will take your company to the next level, visit whilewewereworking.com.